On this episode of Sauce and Hench, we discuss the Chicago Bulls and Vincent Jackson. And to add to that, we're going to preview both the Cubs and the Sox on this episode of Sauce and Hench. And we are back on Sauce and Hench, and we're doing it remotely again, thanks to COVID. But this time, you're right down the hall for me. Sauce is this way, people. He's that way. If you can, if you're watching the video, he's down the hall in his room. I'm currently in the study room here to study not not school. I know I'm a student first, but we're studying some sports today, people. That's what yeah, we're doing. You got you got your stats. I got my stats today. Yes, sir. It, it's going to be fun. I mean, the other my other favorite S word is sports, obviously. Yes. When do we not have fun on this podcast? Exactly. Seriously. Exactly. You know, your, your roommate, Keegan, was actually telling me the other day, he enjoys listening to us because we always just make him smile because we always just have a fun time on this. And I have to agree with him. We have too much fun. Too, too much fun, but passionate fun. That's actually, I, I, I wouldn't say it's too much fun to the fact where we're blind. So I, I feel like I'm pretty, pretty intellectual when it comes to sports and stuff. Exactly. But, um, exactly. but we put a fun t- twist with the intellectual side. Of right. So. Well, on, as, as we previewed, the Bulls, we're going to be talking about the Bulls today, and tonight they play on primetime for the first time all year, I believe it is, against the Philadelphia 76ers. Is this on TNT? ESPN. ESPN oh, I was going to say, TNT Bulls, though. Oh, buddy. You, yeah, they, already... Well, they beat the Sixers on primetime two years ago. Yeah. I believe that was TNT. If you look at our TNT stats, why you, you can start to preview whatever it is. I just want to hit on that before I forget about it. But our TNT stats, everybody call it the TNT Bulls. You, if you're a Bulls fan, you know what I'm talking about. Is our TNT record is ungod. It's, a, it's such a weird stat, but it's it's so ungodly good that almost on any time, no matter who we have on our team, for some reason we win anytime we play on TNT. I don't know why it is, but well, the, I know on the TNT game against the Heat, John Lucas went off against. LeBron's heat. Yes. He might have – that was payback for when he got dunked over by him. Yeah, on the alley-oop. I remember that. I remember that vividly and going to school the next day and everybody's saying, what the heck? Hey, the first article that pops up, the TNT Bulls are the NBA's best dynasty. <laughs> there we go. That's, that's the headline we want to see. Here it is. This is on uh, – back in 2018, the stat was last compiled. The Chicago Bulls, back in 2018, had won 20 straight home TNT games. Some impressive and bizarre, most compelling stat ever. 20 straight games on TNT, the Bulls won. That started back in 2013. So, wow. Yeah, pretty weird stat. But in 2013, I, was about the decline of that team. That's when Derrick Rose really – that was the first year we didn't have D. Rose, right? Because the 2012 season – yeah, hurt uh, in the playoffs. Oh, what do you mean? The, we traded him in 2016. Right, but that was like the decline of that Bulls team because when Derrick Rose got hurt, that was more the beginning of the end. True, which is also the kind of like shows the uniqueness of that stat. That no matter yeah, who was playing on the Bulls, yeah. for some reason on TNT, we would want. So. Let's put the anyway. lights all the time. And, <laughs> you know, we might be bringing home a Larry O'Brien trophy, but <laughs> – we know that can't happen. Yeah. Um, we're just happy to have the one. But, Joe, I, you and I have these stats in front of us. We have individual stats and then the team stats. Yes. Uh, let's start with the individual stats. Sounds good with me. Which, wh- who, what number stands out to you the most that's not named Zach Levine? Oh, I had I one that I, I highlighted. I didn't know he was doing this good um, until I saw his numbers stick out. Um, for me, I, I mean – I think I think it's impressive anytime a rookie that's not the best player are expected to have the most ball uh, most touches on the team. Like, I mean, you can take into consideration the Hornets or um, I don't know why Anthony Edwards from the Timberwolves. Right. They're going to have their ball the ball in their hands a lot more than Pat is. But for him to have ten, average ten point one points at this time with not really not really being the number one option maybe the third or fourth option is pretty impressive to me so 10.1 and for him to be in the double figures as a rookie at 19 years old is pretty impressive for me 
Um, I'm interested to hear what stat's going to jump off the page for you. You didn't uh, – what, what was it for you, Sauce? Well, just just to clarify, Zach Levine, we'll, we'll rave about him at the end of this segment oh, yeah. of, the, of the team, of player stats. We just need more time to highlight more of the lesser bulls that na- named Zach Levine. The one that stood out to me was Laurie Markkinen. Okay, yeah. I have his... point one points. Yeah. I didn't know he was averaging almost 20 points until he got hurt. Yeah. I know he was having some big games, but I didn't realize he was doing this good and this consistently. He, I mean, we, he answered the bell. We talked about it. I mean, so far as answered the bell, we talked about it um, in our season preview. Um, Obviously he's only had what, 14 games played it says on here, right? Yes. Yeah. 14. So 13 less than Levine, but uh, I mean, in that span, man, if he can stay healthy, that's always been the question. I just hope he can stay healthy because he's showing that he's asking what we asked of him, which is the fact of not staying behind the arc, but when he does stay in the arc, looks confident when he's stroking it. He's driving it to the lane and being aggressive and using his body frame, and I think that's a huge positive for him as long as he can stay healthy. So I definitely agree with that stat as well. Another his, unsung – sorry, go oh, ahead. sorry. His two-point percentage is a – 655. <laughs> when you're seven yeah. foot and you're getting guarded by power forwards, yeah, attack the lane. And that's what we discussed in the first Bulls podcast of this year was, you know, Laurie Markin has the tools to be a 20-point scorer. Yes. But it's just utilize him properly. When you have a Jim Boylan that tells him to, to stand in the corner and shoot threes, you're not utilizing him properly. That's not no. – he's seven foot. Yeah. Seven foot power forward, you're not going to tell him – all right, you got to shoot threes. Dirk Nowitzki did not consistently shoot threes. He put no. in the post and hit some of the best fadeaways since Jordan and Kobe. Absolutely. I totally – I mean, they listened to our podcast. He went and listened <laughs> to our – we've said that. That's right. The third or fourth time I've said that. Markin and said, man, they're – Sauce and Hench are right. I just cannot be constantly shooting the ball. Got to use my frame. I'm over seven foot tall. And the numbers speak to it on this statue exactly. right here. So well, yeah, Billy, Don, Billy Donovan, uh, avid <laughs> listener, is going, hey, you know what? They're right. I'm going to set Laurie Markinen up to attack the lane. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm glad they listened to us. It, it's, it's good stuff. But the other name I was going to bring up that he's an unsung hero, man. I love watching him play. I don't know how much longer his tenure is going to be with us, but I just think he brings so much to the Bulls roster with our young guys is, is, is Thadjik. Uh, I knew you Stacy calls him Thadjik Young. Um, he, he's averaging 11.6 points. Uh, no, 11.2 points right now with 5.8 rebounds and 4.4 assists. The man, I, he, he just calms the young guys down. And it's right. a good – there's those good guys to have. Because this team, like we talked about at the beginning of the season, there's no expectations to go win a Larry O'Brien trophy there's an expectation for growth and in every game you see the, you see the learning curve, but you also see the strides that the team has taken within a year under guys like Billy Donovan, obviously, but also by having teammates like Garrett Temple and Thaddeus Young and Thomas Sadarinsky on those team and Otto Porter, those, that, that veteran group that helps this younger squad of Kobe White, Lowry Markin and Patrick Williams, those young guys develop into the team that we expect them to be. Um, right. so that's, that's, Thagic is a huge, huge, uh, part for me, um, for this team that may, he may not be averaging 28 points like Zach Levine, but you, you bet your butt that he is definitely a huge part of helping these young guys develop. You know what I bet is that somewhere along the road that Thagic Young is finally going to get that triple double. Yes. I think my favorite moment of this year is when he went 13, eight, eight, and I forgot who the Bulls won against that day but he gets on the mic and the first thing he says is i can't get this gd triple double yes i just broke out laughing i was like that's just a veteran that is just enjoying himself playing for this team yeah and uh sweet mate uh, pat pacer fan knew all about thaddeus young and there was a moment in the game where thaddeus went to shoot a three and we both went no because we know that he's not the best three-point shooter but i love his utility and if you look at his splits uh for the month of february it's He's, he's insane. He's a triple-double machine. He got 36 minutes a game like Zach Levine does. But I'll give you one more. Since you got two, I'll give you one more. This is maybe 
the most unsung Bulls player there is, and his name is Wendell Carter Jr. I like W-C-J. that. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you can't see this. I found these stats. I had to dig deep for this. The Bulls with Wendell Carter Ooh. this year are eight and eight without their four and seven. They lost four of six and seven of ten without Wendell Carter. But also, you could throw in like, okay, Laurie's not there and Otto's not playing. Yeah. That. But here's here's why I say this. Julius Randle had 27 points against the Bulls. Vukovic torched us for 43 and 19. And then the Wizards had 36 free throw attempts in a game we lost by Zach Levine just missing a layup. This is this is the kind of stuff you have to 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 know that because like you can look at these stats all day long, like okay this is what he scores, this is how many rebounds, but what can he bring to a team that's not stat oriented? Yes, the Bulls were 14th in rebounding with Wendell. They dropped down to 28th in rebounds without Wendell. They were sixth in free throw attempts with 23.9. Dipped down to 30th with 16.2 after he went out. Wow. And then he comes back, first game coming back, he shuts down DeMontis Sabonis in an overtime game for 25 and 10, which you can say, okay, that's a good game. But he shot 7 of 19, which is 36.8%. So, yeah, Wendell Carter is pretty vital to this Bulls team. I, I think you would agree with me. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and you you definitely see how much of an I love Dan, I love Danny Gafford just because um, yes. I mean he may not be the most, well-round, yeah, the most well-rounded basketball player is not a word that you would use for Daniel Gafford. I love the kid though, but Wendell just can do so many things on a basketball court that doesn't involve putting the ball in the hoop. He can do that sometimes too when he wants to, but so many things vitally on a team that you, you, you need uh, besides putting the ball in the hoop. And he does a lot of, he checks a lot of those boxes. So I totally agree with you. I'll throw, I'll throw one more stat at you before we dip into uh, Zach Levine. And it's, did you know that the Bulls have the tallest team in the NBA? Tallest? Yeah, they have the tallest team. Really? I, didn't I, I did not know that. But yeah, Sadoransky, he's six seven for a guard. Cornette is seven two. I think they listed him as. Laurie's seven foot. Wendell, 6'10", and I know Felicio falls in there. I don't think we play with our tallest guys, but we're, we're listed as the tallest team in the league. Wow. I did not know that. It is what it is. That's an interesting stat. All right. So let's dip into the all-star that is Mr. Zach Levine. Man. And I think every time I watch him, I get more and more amazed. He hit yeah. that 1-3 over Sabonis, and <laughs> – I felt bad because Pat was in here watching it with me, but I didn't care because that was one of the best three-pointers I had ever seen made. He makes everything – not to bring uh, – one guy, I listened to an interview the other day with Tim Anderson, uh, best shortstop in Chicago. But uh, anyway, uh, he was talking about Zach Levine on the interview and was like, man, he is just cold and is just so smooth with everything he does. When you look up, when you try to teach someone what a jump shot is, you should look up his jump shot and, and show Zach Levine's jump, jump shot to whoever you're trying to teach because of how clean his form is. Exactly. Like, he just makes everything the most – He, you know he's going 110 miles per hour on the court, but it makes it look like he's going like 20 miles per hour just because of how smooth he is. He Everything he does – my favorite move is when he does a step-back three-pointer. It's like – Yes, it, yes. He makes it a shot that most people would be – Most, if you're not seeing the video, most people would have to chuck it up like that because it's so far. He's just easy step-back stroking it like it's nothing. He makes everything look so smooth, man. It, it, it's, it's art. It's poetry to watch him play basketball. I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, he finished, what was it, fourth in Eastern Conference guards for voting in All-Stars, so he won't be a starter this year, but he should be in no matter what. Because oh, let, yeah. let me throw this at you. I, I dug deep for Zach Levine because if he's going to do this for the Bulls, he only deserves me to give my time and give him the recognition he deserves. He has a career high in points, assists, rebounds, defensive rebounds, offensive rebounds, three-point percentage, two-point percentage, three-pointers made, free-throw percentage, and field goal percentage. He has 10 20-point games, 11 30-point games, which is fourth in the league, only behind Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, and Steph Curry, and he's tied for second 
in 40-point games with two this year. Last Tell you what, he just highlighted his whole freaking stat line. Oh, yeah. Except for turnovers. That's the only thing I'd ever have against him. But it is what it is. Um, last five games, 34.8 points, 6.4 rebounds, 4.8 assists, 4.8 three-pointers made with 8.8 three-pointers attempted. That's a 54.3 three-point percentage. And the Bulls have won three and two in those five games. <laughs> Do you want me to keep going? Uh, yeah, keep it going. I like that. All right. This month, this month alone in February, 31.6 points, 5.9 rebounds, 5.1 assists, 53.5 field goal percentage, a 48.5 three-point percentage. He's fourth in scoring and second in the Eastern Conference, only behind the MVP candidate that is Joel Embiid, who has 32.9 points. He's ranked hey. sixth in points this year, 24th in three-point percentage. He's 10th in three-point attempted. Six and three pointers made, and twenty eight in field goal percentage. I need a I need a drink. <laughs> while, while you're taking that drink, I think you perfectly described to what everybody uh, for some reason uh, wants that out of Chicago. For some reason, everybody. Anytime I still look, it's always what trade? What trade should we trade Zach Levine for? I mean, and did I, and did I mention he's ranked somewhere in the top three in fourth quarter points? I couldn't find that stat somewhere, but I know Stacey King and Double A yeah. were talking about it the other day. But for some reason, it, I, I, it still blows my mind how people would want him off the Chicago Bulls roster because he he's a he's a he's a stud, man. Like he's having he, a career year. Yes, and it's only gotten like he goes year by year. He gets better and better. And the other the other stat I don't know if you mentioned you probably did. You, I mean, we listed off everything about him is uh, his he's averaging one point one steals per game too. Added with all those offensive, with all those offensive numbers that he has, everybody his one caveat that everybody would always say is, "What about his defense?" Well, he's averaging over a steal a game this year, yeah, and is locking up. So you watch a lot of our games that we're playing. Uh, the one game that always comes to my mind, I, I know what I mentioned on one of our podcasts was one of the early games of the year is one point game, one of the best scores in the game in Bradley Beal. Takes it to the lane. Zach stays his ground, keeps in front of him, both arms up, and blocks the shot, and the Bulls win the game. You know what? And I was trying year. to think. I'm trying to think of what game that was. I remember him doing that, and I'm glad you brought it up because yeah. I totally forgot which game it was. Improvement, improvement at every every single portion of his games. Like you said, career high, career high, career high, and then a career <laughs> high in defensive numbers as well. So he's taken leaps forward to make himself one of the best. The best shooting guards, one of the best shooting guards in the NBA. No question. I think the my favorite part about Zach Levine this year is, you know, with MJ, when he was young, it was, I need to score because I know no one else can. I'm the best player out there. But Levine, for a while there, he wasn't being aggressive. He was trying to get, he was trying to distribute the ball and let these other guys get some. And I think one day Billy Donovan just goes, Zach, you are the best player we have. Be confident. Go out and score. Like, yeah, you can get assists and stuff, but I need you to score consistently if we're going to win. Yeah. And that's – the Bulls haven't had a play – I mean, I, I, I'm i going to bring – I love love Jimmy G. Buckets. Love him. But I, I will skip over him and venture to say we haven't had a player like Zach Levine that has carried a team like this since Derrick Rose did when he won – since his MVP season yeah. to where it was legit. Like you just said, you're the best player on the team. Go out and get yours. That's how I view Zach Levine on this team is like, hey, you're the best player on the team. Go out and get yours, Zach. That's how it was with Derrick Rose, and that's how it is with Zach Levine right now. He's the clear-cut best player on this team. Now you're getting – the special thing about it is also one of the things listed on here, uh, the stat line, it's not really a stat, is Zach Levine's only 25 freaking years old. <laughs> so um, yeah. he's 25 years old, and that gives you time to develop around guys who are also the next three listed after him. Kobe White, 20 years old. Lowry Markin, 23 years old. Patrick Williams, 19 years old. So all those guys are going to start to come into their own is where Zach's really starting almost at, at his own already. And once those guys all really start to come to, into their own, then, he, then that pressure that Derrick Rose always had on his career and never went off his shoulders of having to be that guy is going to come off Zach Levine's shoulders. Exactly. And, yep. and, the, and that's, everything's going to come – He's it'll make him an even better player. So, 
you say that Levine and Rose, I can see glimpses of Zach Levine being a Derrick Rose with how yeah. they play. Because of how fast they are, how exactly. fast and athletic they are, but how smooth made, they make it. They made the game look so easy, easy. sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the, the only difference between the two, and I'm not going to go out and say that Zach Levine is better than Derrick Rose. I'm not saying this. But Levine is a much better shooter oh, than Derrick Rose down. ever was when he was in the Bulls. Yes, he didn't down. get a jump shot till he got to Minnesota, and he went off for that 50-burger mm-hmm. against Utah, a team that re- just outright released him. They didn't even play him. I'm still waiting for that Zach Levine 50-burger. I want one. I mean, <laughs> yeah, really close in the the Pelicans game with 46 points, and I was tasting it. I was like, oh, man, a Zach Levine 50-burger sounds yes. really good right now. Because yes. uh, I was I was told, I'm not going to say names, that the Bulls were going to get blown out against the Pelicans, and it didn't happen. So <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. But we didn't even get to cover that. That was a thriller of a game, hitting 25 threes. Yes. And – you have Levine hitting, what was it, nine threes or ten threes, somewhere in that time, that frame, and Kobe White was at eight or nine. It was the first time ever that a duo hit eight, point, eight three-pointers apiece, which I was shocked by that because I thought for sure Stephen Clay would be on that list. Yeah, that's weird. I've never heard – that's crazy. Yeah, that's, I would have thought what, the same thing. Yeah, that's what Stacey King said immediately after I said it, so they must have been bugging my – Dorm room, too. But. God almighty, we got to get that figured out. Yeah, we do. We really <laughs> do. All right, so let's uh, flip the page. Well, I got to flip the page to the Bulls' offensive stats. And you know what? Being ranked 10th sounds really nice. Yes. And scoring this year. Yeah. That's what we've been promised since um, and since uh, we fired Tibbs and said, we're hiring Fred Hoiberg for his offensive mentality and we're going to be in the top 10 offensively. The Bulls have been uh, wondrously searching for that for years. So um, to finally have found what seems like uh, what's clicking is nice. Right. And, you know, 114.6 points. We're eighth in assists, seventh in three-point percentage, eighth in field goal percentage, and sixth in field goals made. The offense is getting getting their shots in. That's yes. – it's, it's that simple. We're moving the ball around, getting the open shots. We're not casting up threes like we were doing with Jim Boylan. And to give you a reference, Joe, on how big of a difference that is in uh, points, last year – I mean, this year we were 10th. We this year we're 10th. Last year we were 27th in scoring with 106.8 points. Wow. Wow. Really uh, did a good job there, Jim Boylan. Didn't you? <laughs> Jimmy boy. We love you. But, uh, Not really. The only issue I'm seeing, Joe, on the offensive numbers is turnovers. We got to yeah. cut down on the turnovers. It's simple. Which, which is plays into exactly what I just mentioned two seconds ago and what we mentioned on a podcast way earlier when you mentioned that our average age was uh, younger than a college basketball team. I forget Wisconsin. Wisconsin. University of Wisconsin. And that's that's the stat that directly correlates with age is these guys are young. They're learning a right. new system um with a new head coach and those are things that uh those are things that will will come come along i i'm i would i would be more scared i'm i'm more at ease with us being in top 10 of offensive numbers with those turnovers i'd be more scared if like i looked and they weren't competing at all and just weren't buying into a system they're buying into billy's system um so i that makes me feel fine that turnovers is the most key stat that we have to worry about they'll they'll fix it along the road that's something that 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 they'll clean up so i'm that's not something that really uh really jumps out and really scares me that's just something that i that i mean um i'm not going to sit here and say i i projected the exact stat how many turnovers they have but that's something to come expected with a young team like that right like i said like usually people say numbers don't lie but you have to look at these numbers and numbers tell a story and that's what you're yeah. trying to get at, I think, is that, yeah, we have a high amount of turnovers, but we're in a new system. We're the youngest team in the NBA. One, well, maybe three of the youngest teams in the NBA. I'm not exactly sure, but we're younger than University of Wisconsin basketball team. <laughs> so, of course, this was going to be some learning curves and some speed bumps along the road. Uh, we're at 16.3 turnovers a game. The only team that is lower than us is the Miami Heat with 16.5. But you know what? If the Bulls can cut down the turnovers and get more shots, and if, as we've seen, if, if they get the shot, they, get, they go in. 
because we, we yeah. move the ball around a lot better than we ever did under Jim Boylan. And we're getting these open looks and percentage is going up. And if we yeah. cut down the turnovers, the Bulls will be in the playoffs. And that's what our goal is going into the year. I said they were going to be six games below 500. And as of this podcast before the Philadelphia 76ers game, they are three games below 500. So I'll take that. Yes. And we'll, and we'll do one more look around on the, on the opposing stats against the Bulls. And this one really tells a story. It's, it's strange. You know, we, we ninth and three pointers percentage against the Bulls, which it's ninth best. So that's how yeah, I look at this. But field goal percentage against the Bulls is 23rd. Mm. One of the worst. Yeah. And I didn't know this. We're first in offensive rebounds allowed. So we don't allow a lot of offensive rebounds. And we allowed 20, what was it, 8.7 steals, which is 29th. And we get nine, we're ninth in blocks against us. And we allow 115.4 points, which is 26th in the NBA. But I, I, when I come, when I look at this, Joe, the first thing that came to my mind is the turnovers. We're allowing easy transition buckets, and that's why the field goal percentage is so much higher than three-point percentage. If we get our feet set, the defense is pretty solid. We are 29th in points off turnovers. The Heat, again, last in that stat. They, they allow 20.6. We allow 19.6. So if we, like, again, clean up the turnovers, the Bulls will be an unstoppable force yeah. the rest of the year. I absolutely agree. And it may not be something, obviously, we'd love nothing more than to sit here and be recording a podcast, uh, however many months down the road, and say that all those turnovers were fixed and the Bulls went on to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, that might be something to where they keep developing the rest of this year. They might not totally clean it up. There might be some games that look good, a stretch of games that look bad, that sort of thing for the rest of the season. And maybe something that turns over into the next season, that's when it gets cleaned up, that sort of thing. Because if you look at our, like you said, those stats, they tell a story. And the story for the Bulls season is, we're in all, in all reality, for us to be only three games under 500 with our turnover numbers is insane. Exactly. Insanely, insanely good. Because if we turned up half of those turnover numbers, we're probably sitting five or six because there's multiple games that I can sit there and be like, if we limited the turnovers, um, we're winning. And we're probably sitting here with the, if we cleaned up those turnovers from the start of the season, or at least half of them, we're probably sitting here five or six games above 500 right now. Exactly. So with the turnover numbers for me, I think that's the most impressive stat for me is that our, our, um, record is only three games below 500 with what our turnovers have been because that's what yeah, have costed you, us games. You, you look at the Heat and they're six games below 500. Yeah, they're, they're 11. They were NBA Finals last yeah, they year. They're the, they the defending Eastern Conference champions, and right now they can't they can't get anything going for them. Jimmy Butler's getting triple doubles, and I'm pretty sure they're still losing. I know they won yesterday against the Kings, and Bam and Jimmy both had triple doubles, but it is what it is. But to be eighth in assists and 29th in turnovers tells me that the Bulls are moving the ball around. It just maybe they they want to set another teammate so badly that they force one. Yeah. But you know what? I'm okay with them trying totally. to move the ball around. I'd rather uh, I'm more okay with them. That. Yeah. Exactly. Learn the le- learn the lesson in a game this year because we can afford to do that this year. It'd be different if we came in this year. Exp- World's uh, NBA NBA Finals are bust. That sort of thing, and we're making these mistakes. All these guys are young, new system, uh, new coach. Make these mistakes now, learn from it, and go into next year's and clean them up. I, I 110% agree with you. And I have this last one that's, again, it's this year's Bulls versus last year's Bulls, but we'll cover that at a different time. I feel like that's more of a comparison <laughs> for the end of the year situation or we get Sounds to, good. what was it, 65 games they played last year? Yeah, 65. Yeah. Because I really want to get into this next one, and that's previewing the – Chicago White Sox, oh, which are representing buddy. very well today. I have uh, all week, man. Pitchers and catchers. Arietta back, my favorite player. Um, I think I think we should allow the South Side to go first because you guys have way higher expectations. It'd be uh, way more exciting to hear what 
you have to say about your White Sox. Uh, um, but the first question I want to ask you, Joe, I, I told you this. Um, why is everyone sleeping on Jose Abreu and T.A.? What is going no. on with this? I don't Here's, get this phenomenon that's going on in the baseball social media world. You, you guys have heard me and my dad's podcast about this, and he's told me – that was a question that I asked since I was a young kid. Even when the Sox won the World Series in 2005, it's like everybody automatically forgot about us in 2006. It's like, it's like 2005 never even happened. And even when I was young, I realized, Dad, why, why aren't we on ESPN? Why aren't the Sox on here? Why aren't the Sox on this? Son, that's just how it is. The Cubs can have no matter what record it is, but they will always be king in Chicago for some reason. And for some reason, uh, the Sox are just always casting aside when it comes to the MLB. Whether We just had a, the freaking MVP of the American League, yeah. and everybody just forgets about him. Tim Anderson just won the batting title the year prior and was in contention with it to the final week and is somehow the 10th best shortstop ranked on MLB Network's top 10 shortstops. How is he 10, man? Come on. There's no way there's nine guys that are better than Tim Anderson at shortstop. No, no way. No way. But it's just a thing that I've been has been a thing for the Sox ever since they were created as a franchise, and I've been taught that and have accepted it from my dad ever since I – gotten the Sox fandom when I was a young kid is that's just how it is and you know what it's it's I, I've grown used to it and accustomed to it and I've I've adopted it I've more love it now that the fact of you you rank you rank Tim Anderson 10th best shortstop in, in the AL and he'll just go out and win another batting title and we'll show you they ranked him 10th in the AL 10 10th in the MLB my okay. bad my bad okay ten, I was like I was like 10 out of 15 that's ridiculous. no so 10 out no. 30 that's not too bad but yeah, they're still really undercutting TA. Yeah, yeah, you go you go ahead and rank our dudes there. Um, but we'll show you when the season comes. Just like a Brady this year. Yeah. He in 2020, nobody's expects Brady to do anything. But then he wins the MVP. And for that short glimpse of however many months it was when he was awarded the MVP, people looked at his stats and like, dang, he's been doing this for a while. Yeah, exactly. no, yeah. we've told yeah. you he's been doing this for yes. a while. We told you he's batted 330 yes. bombs and 100 RBIs for however many seasons since he's been in the league. Come on, man. That, but anyway, yeah, I've grown accustomed to it, and I still haven't come to the reason why people don't realize it, but I think people are going to start having to realize it when we get to the playoffs however many years in a row. And the one statistic that actually did just come out the other day to where we actually did get recognized and I think opened some eyes, the rankings may not have been the best exactly where the players were. I still don't agree with when Jose Abreu was ranked the 31st best player in the MLB. I think he should be higher considering he just won MVP. But um, we had nine players in the top 100 M MLB players out of all MLB players. The top 100 MLB players, the White Sox had nine, which was the most in the MLB, wow. which I think opened some eyes to some people. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Sox have not in – not even say that three out of those nine were our top three pieces of our rotation, Gilito, Keiko, and Lynn. So if that speaks anything about our rotation that I think people are sleeping on as well. Um, so that I was pretty happy with that stat, even though I would have ranked Abreu higher than 31. I still think that even though he just won MVP, he's still underappreciated for what the dude has done. Um, but anyway, I, that's just your to answer long winded to answer your question. I think it's just the thing that, <laughs> has gone on and will continue. The Sox can win five straight World Series and they'd still be like, oh, I don't think the White Sox are that good. Uh, that's what I can still be see happening. I just have grown accustomed to it. My dad has always said it's been like that. So I will tell my son or daughter uh, the same thing is get used to it. But, hey, it makes it a heck of a lot more fun when uh, – you when a player wins MVP or when a player wins a batting title or when the White Sox win the World Series, it makes it a whole lot better, a whole lot sweeter that you knew the whole time what sleeping in giant was about to arise while everybody else was just kind of like, ah, you've been in a rebuild since 2005. Yeah, when you say, oh, we, we're coming to the tail end of our rebuild. Oh, you've been rebuilding since 2005. No, actually only for the past four years and you're about to see – uh, the fruits of what the rebuild has been this all now that we have all these players locked up and right. uh, free agents added to them. So well, like e even then, like Jose Abreu had the best year, the best year last year, and they're still undercutting them. Oh, the shortened season. Oh, Jose Ramirez should have won it. Jose Ramirez, 
the guy missed games this year. And yeah, he had some good games, but Jose Abreu was driving in runs. He averaged a crazy r- RBI a game. Him. He averaged was, an RBI a game. Yeah, it, it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. I was like, this guy is just working the gaps, and he has a speed in front of him, and they're coming around, flying around the bases, and they're just scoring runs. Simple as that. And you know what? He deserved that MVP. Here, here's there's no I'll argument. My, there's no argument against that. No, and I'll give him my last because uh, Abreu's a guy that I could dive into like we just did with Zach Levine. Like right. I could spit out numbers at you about Abreu all day. He is easily one of my favorite players in the White Sox history just because he has that mentality of like I don't care what people say. I'm gonna go about my business and just just do it and be that blue collared White Sox player that has been a first baseman bloodline of Frank Thomas, Paul Canerco, and now him of of that, but one thing that is, should be scary to the rest of the MLB is Abreu had his best season last year in a shortened season, and he's been putting up good numbers his whole career, almost a 300 batting average with 30-plus home runs and 100 RBIs over his career as a season, and this year would have been his best year yet after having all those stats. I think that, and I know it's because for the first time in his career, the dude has legit protection around which yes. makes him a ten yes. times, which makes him Thank ten you. times, ten times scarier, man. Like yes. that makes Jose Abreu such a better hitter because he doesn't have to go and chase pitches anymore because he has a guy that nobody's ever heard of hitting behind him anymore. Like he felt like he had that on his shoulders beforehand, where it's like, man, even if it's out of the zone, I have to swing at it because if I don't, that run's not getting knocked in. As to where this year, he could be even more selective selective which leads to 19 home runs in the shortened season that we had and a 300 plus batting average in the shortened season we had those stats directly come from having protection around you having guys like Aloy Jimenez, Yoan Makata, Tim Anderson, Grandal, all the Luis Robert all those guys protected around you to where crap and it was where years in the past where okay I can pitch up around to bray you to get to whoever the heck is next. God, we've had a lot of whoever the heck is next that are ugly names. But now it's like, oh, if I don't pitch to a Bray, if I don't pitch to a Bray here, I got Aloy Jimenez, who's right behind him. I got Luis Robert, who's right behind him. I got Yasmani Grandal, who's right behind him. Like, they can't do that anymore, which makes Jose 10 times more dangerous in, via the MVP that he had last year. I, I can't agree with you more. I've done my fair share of White Sox arguing on social media, defending them, because I, I may be a Cubs fan. See, that's where real Cubs fans come in. Like, I, but I, not, there's cut. I took like that. People, I appreciate that. Yeah, people are like, one guy said to me, you're from Chicago. Why does that matter? It's because I appreciate good baseball when I see it. I'm not going to undercut Jose Abreu for what team he plays for. That doesn't make any sense. That's like me saying Paul Goldschmidt, the terrible first baseman, because he plays for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. That's not the case. I hate him because he, he tears us up. I mean, yeah. yeah, you can hate a guy for tearing your team up, but at the end of the day, you hate greatness because it's not on your team. Yes. I was just talking to uh, somebody today about one guy that I've always loved and I love even more now is Francisco Lindor. I've always loved Lindor, and now that he's out of the division, I can like him even more. So, exactly. but that's exactly what you're saying. I appreciate that you can, because there's not many Cubs fans that can sit, hit, sit here and say that. And there wasn't many Sox fans that can sit there when you guys were good. And I was sitting there saying the same thing. Like a player that like I'll bring to mind is Wilson Contreras. Yeah. I, no matter how much he would tear us apart in the games that we played him or, or whatever, Contreras, I, I always said that Contreras was a stud, man. Like, you just have to appreciate greatness no matter exactly. where it is. Yep. And for a Cubs fan to do that to a Sox player, uh, I appreciate you doing that because there's not many people out there that would do that, which shows that you understand the game. And that's a that's the difference between between fans and uh, fans that don't know what the heck's going on and just speak exactly. out their, the other end of uh, the human body. But anyway. Um. <laughs> All right, so here's, here's a couple. All right, just – so really just – point out some main points about what the White Sox did this offseason yeah. and what, what your expectations are heading into the year. Because I have my expectations for the White Sox. We're supposed to be doing a baseball preview, just overall baseball preview on Monday. So this is kind of yeah. a glimpse of what we're going to be talking about. Absolutely. What do, you, what do you expect coming out of the White Sox with all the offseason moves they made this uh, winter? I, 
I fully expect a couple predictions in the fact that you're going to have um, a really, really good rotation. Gilito, yes. Keiko, Lynn, and then you have options with the new pitching coach of Dylan Cease and words yesterday, uh, the two guys I want to hit on, Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech, quotes from Yasmani Grandal saying, this guy can be a Cy Young candidate, alluding to Dylan Cease, and Tony La Russa saying, Michael Kopech is electric and will absolutely help this team. So having this guy like Cease and Kopech at the end of your rotation is incredible. So first off, you have a rotation. The other prediction that I have is you're going to have my, my – it's going to sound opinionated but because I'm a Sox fan. But anyway, I think you're going to have the best bullpen in the whole entire MLB on the south side of Chicago. Talking to, in additions, is you have Liam Hendrick added to a bullpen of Aaron Bummer, Cody Hoyer, Garrett Crochet, Matt Foster, Evan Marshall. Uh, good luck. Good luck with that and then lastly is you just have a well-balanced lineup which we had last year and if it stays healthy it's well balanced from top to bottom to where your nine hole hitter and Nick Madrigal is a guy who last year another guy that I love if you look at his stats his stats are so quirky he bat on an on two strike counts last year had the highest batting average in the MLB of 320 with a two strike count better with two strikes the dude hit better with two strikes as a rookie, batted three three thirty, I think. Um, he's a guy who can put the who can just hit, he flat out can hit, and he's nine hole in the lineup. So one through nine, you have a lineup to where it's so well balanced with speed, power, everything. My last uh, last two predictions is the Sox will win the division. Uh, not that's just a sneak peek. I won't give you where I think the Sox are going to go or anything, but. I, I, I agree with you on White Sox winning the division. Um, the last is uh, watch out for a full season of Luis Robert because he gave a sneak peek of what he could do last year as a rookie won the gold glove in the American League. So he gave a sneak peek of what he could do last year, but watch out for a full season of that guy because he is going to be special. He's going to be very, very special. But So a sneak peek into the – that is definitely, I think the Sox are going to win the division. Uh, and I won't say how far until our projections, but that's just a okay. sneak peek. I'm the most excited. I, I'm excited for every Sox season, but God, man, I this is the most excited oh. I've been in so long for yeah. a White Sox season. I am so unbelievably excited. There's a difference between, okay, I'm excited for baseball, and then there's a difference between yeah, here we go. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a great yeah. year. I yeah. that that was me in sixteen. That was yeah. that was so me in twenty sixteen, five years ago, going, Oh, it's time. Like this is the year we're finally gonna be It's just it and, makes it it makes it so much better when they're players that like you experienced in twenty sixteen, players that you have gone gone through stuff with for the past four and a half years, watching them from single A to now going after a World Series championship. Yes. Or like a guy like Lucas Giolito, watching him have the worst ERA in the in in the league to now top of the rotation, saying let's go get a GD ring. Like, and you have guys at shortstop like Tim Anderson. I just want to go out and whoop MFers butts every freaking day. <laughs> like that's what I want, man. That gets me pumped, baby. Anyway, it's, it's time to win. It's time yes. to win on the south side. Uh, I've seen. I've been, all my friends are Sox fans. It's not. Even, it's not even fair anymore. I need. I have like one Cubs fan. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's it. I need I need to branch out to the north side. But I've 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 seen, I've I've laughed at some of the stuff you guys have been through because I was just like I've been there. I've seen when that's like, uh, when your team is called the Lovable Losers, you get kind of used to losing. Yeah. So it's de- yeah. So but anyway, I've gone on my rant about the excited season so let's let you slap on the north side hat and hear what you got to tell to me so my first question to you would be uh the same along the same lines you asked me what is um yeah let's flip the scenario because i mean in pat the past years 2016 2017 2018 it's been the cubs at the top of the um news stories everybody was always talking the cubs espn mlb network it was always what's going on at cubs training camp uh, who are the Cubs adding? What are the Cubs doing? Joe Madden, what's he doing crazy in the locker room? 
yeah. now the roles have reversed to where there ain't much cup news out there. What's going on on the north side? Uh, well, I had this conversation with my mom yesterday. She's been a Cub fan since the 1980s, before the lights. She loves – her favorite player was Rick Stockcliffe. She told me that she's watched Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson. And I'm, I'm watching this Cubs news, and I'm seeing all these different names. And Jock Peterson. Then you had uh, – who else did we sign? Austin Romine, Jake Marisnik. Zach Davies we traded for. We signed Trevor Williams, and we signed Brandon Workman. And I told my mom, I was like, when training camp comes around, we're just going to have to put name tags on them so we know who's who. It's it's that bad. But, you know, um, I'm glad that Hoyer went in a direction. I'm glad he just didn't do – because you agree with me that for a while there, the White Sox didn't know what direction they're going to be in. Absolutely. And, you know, I rather, that's why I said to Matt, because I remember him and I having that conversation. I said, I just want Hoyer to take the team and go in a direction. And I, forget, yes. I also forgot to mention we traded Darvish and Caratini, but um, we lost a lot of players, two of them being John Lester and Kyle Schwarber and uh, Tyler Chatwood. Now Moore is gone. We got Pedro Strope back. Congratulations. But um, our offense was abysmal last year. We had one of the best fielding teams in baseball. Easy. We won the first NL Gold Glove as a team. But our batting average was 27th in the league, 18th OBP, and 20th in runs. We just not we weren't producing at the plate. And our bullpen yeah. is mediocre. It's okay. We were 25th in walks allowed, and you can't have that in a bullpen. But our starting rotation was great. But now we're heading into this year, and we only re retained two guys, and that's yeah. Hendricks and Mills. Now we have Davies in there, Trevor Williams, and Jake Arrieta. And my prediction. Number one prediction is that the Cubs are going to lead the MLB in uh, putouts from groundouts because you had Hendricks finish second in the league, Davies with 14th with San Diego last year, and Alec Mills was 19th. My second prediction is that the Cubs are going to have the lowest um, velocity by a starting rotation because <laughs> Trevor Williams and Arietta don't throw hard either. Yeah. Um, and my third prediction – is that the Cubs are going to finish third, third. in the NL Central. Um, I'll say this. They'll finish behind the Cardinals and the Brewers, but I won't tell you what order they're in. Uh, for me this year, it's more of, okay, is Chris Bryant going to get traded? Is this the year we finally – because that's been in conversation since his Forever. struggles in 18, I believe it was, his first bad year because he battled some injuries. Uh, but he's been battling injuries for three years now. Now here's um, here's the here's the flip side to where I will give props to Cubs players here. You know, Chris Bryant won an MVP. He did win um, an MVP in sixteen, yeah. Javier Baez, I, I wanted to get your opinion on him next, but he's had some good seasons in his career too. Too. You have Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo. That's four guys right there to where I mean, if they, they didn't lose their baseball skills. So, like, no, if no. all these guys stay healthy, there's four out of your nine guys that can really can really have some damage at the plate. Yeah. So, if those guys are healthy and get back to anything to where they were, man, the Cubs could the Cubs could go on a run and win the division. But, like, Joe, Joe, we've been banking on that since 16. We've been banking on them four producing, and they just haven't gotten the job done. And it's so irritating to watch that. Because you know how talented they are. You see what happened in 15 and 16 and 17. But all of a sudden, they just they just, they just can't do anything. Bryant's in and out of the lineup. He finally gets going, and he gets injured. Rizzo, still Rizzo doing Rizzo things. He's getting on base, uh, hitting home runs, driving in runs. Javier Baez has his moments, and Wilson Contreras is the same way. It's the, inc the inconsistency. That's like, the, that's like the, the worst word you can say for a baseball player. And I, I always tell – this to people that ask me about the Cubs. I said one day we'll drive in 12 runs, and the next day we'll strike out 12 times and only score two runs. I think there's no middle. Like I would kill for them just to average four runs a game. Yeah. You know, and they'd be consistent for not just a 12 and then here's a one. So what? Uh, if you could give me an insight onto what you think happened with Baez last year and what you think his season's going to be this year, that would be my last question for you. For, for Javi, it really came down to he just trying to do too much. 
He yeah. swings at pitches out of the zone. He's a free swinger. I give him credit. But when he's controlled and seeing the ball come in and swinging at stuff in the zone, he's one of the best hitting shortstops in the game. Easy. He's, and it's just that he can't stay consistent. He can't focus on one mindset when he gets to that plate. Once he gets to the plate, I don't know which hobby we're going to get. When I, first, when I see him swing at a slider in the dirt, I just want to shut off the TV and go, all right, here we go again with another Javier Baez strikeout. It's, it's irritating. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to have to sit back and enjoy it. Uh, I know we're not going to do much. I'm just going to take this approach as, a, a, as the Bulls again this year. Not expecting much, but if we win and finish above 500, I'll be okay with it. Hey, you got Jock Peterson. Here's the, here's the other funny part. This will be my last thing about the Cubs before we move on to our final subject for this podcast. Don't resign Kyle Schwarber. Let him go to Washington. What kind of hitter, what kind of player was Kyle Schwarber? He's a guy that hit bombs, struck out a lot, wasn't a great fielder. Cubs signed. <laughs> Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson, what kind of player is he? Oh, Kyle Schwarber. It doesn't hit for average, hits home runs, strikes out. He's not a bad fielder. He's, he's, a, he's a much better fielder than Schwarber, but that's not saying much. But, all right, okay, we got Jock Peterson. That sounds fantastic. Don't sign Albert Almora. He goes to New York. What kind of player is Albert Almora? All right, well, he's a fantastic fielder, but he's going to hit. I'll sign this Mets outfielder named Jake Marisnik. What kind of player is Jake Marisnik? A guy that can hit, but can field. We signed the same guys. <laughs> same guys. Just different names and, you know, different <laughs> names and numbers. Oh, my. I, I saw that and I go, you got to be kidding me. We really just re-signed the same guys for just a little bit cheaper. <laughs> Man. Uh, uh, but, you know, if, if uh, we can sign some big names down the road and maybe trade off uh, – Brian and um, you know I'm I'm really excited to see Jake Arrieta back. He was my favorite player. Oh, I yeah. enjoy getting to see him pitch, even if he doesn't have a great year. Uh, I hope Chicago opens up soon so you can go see your beloved Sox and oh, I can go God. see Jake Arrieta pitch. That's my one hope, honestly. Like that's the, my biggest concern is that you sit through all these rebuild years and when I can go into the stadium buy a five dollar ticket and walk all the way down right to the field, basically and um, watch those day games where we get blown out 12 nothing, But now it's like, when the time's finally here, it's a question of can I even get into the stadium to watch this team that's going to try exactly. and compete for a World Series this year. So I would be sick to my stomach if I didn't even get to see this team that the Sox – but the good thing is the Sox have these guys lined up, uh, signed up for the next eight to ten years. So well, especially at some point I'll be able to get to see them. Well, especially if they go out and they start winning and they get to the playoffs and you're sitting there having to watch every game on, on TV and in, yeah. your, in your room and it's kind of like, oh, that sucks. The dream's been hey. to get to a playoff game. I want to go to one – this team, man. Uh, but uh, it, I do I do want to say this before we get into the final subject is – I want everyone to know that Joe got a job with the Memphis Grizzlies. I appreciate so, that. Congratulations to that. Thank you very much, the kind sir. I appreciate the words there. That means a lot. Yeah, so for the people that do watch this podcast, just give him a good congratulations below. He worked really hard that. to get that position. Absolutely. I appreciate that a lot, Sauce, for bringing some recognition to that. That means a lot, sir. All right. So I wanted, I wanted to start this last subject on a lighthearted matter. And now we're going to get a little deep here. Uh, Vincent Jackson, a player that you and I both watched, uh, played wide receiver for the San Diego Chargers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, he, he died um, this month uh, from chronic alcoholism. And then they saw that he was suffering from CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. I'm glad I was able to get that last word on the third You're better track. than me. Better than me yeah. on that, sir. I'm yeah. glad you had to do that word. Um, we're, well, if uh, if you don't know, CTE is the disease where your brain starts to really suffocate itself from con from constant concussions and blows to the head. It's really common in boxers and football players. Uh, there's a long list of players that have suffered from this disease. Um so, Joe, I just want to ask you, when you heard this news that 38-year-old Vincent Jackson had died, uh, what, what did you think? What, what went through your mind immediately? 
uh, just that struck feeling of sad, can't believe it, sadness sort of yeah. thing, um, where it's like, no matter how he was taken away from us, 38 years old, that's just, it's a number that you don't ever want to hear, no matter who it is, even if it's not a football player that I've seen play, or it could be Joe Schmo that I've never met in my life, but to hear a 38-year-old pass away, no matter what it's from, who it is, that's just immediately sadness, because that's not even half your life, man, that uh, you didn't get to live, and you, I immediately start to think of his family, um, children, all those sorts of things that don't get to spend the rest of their life with their dad, their husband, their um, loved ones. So that's immediately the sort of things that start to go my, through my head, not his football career or anything like that, just how 38 should never be an age to where you should be leaving this earth. It should yeah. be an age to where um, – you're celebrating life and doing all the things that life entail. So that was sort of the thing that started to go through my head uh, when I heard the news, uh, not more his football career, but more just life in general. Uh, what do you got on your end? Uh, well, for me, it's just, I remember playing those, those old man video games against uh, my cousin and he was a big LaDamian Tomlinson fan, played for the Chargers. So when I'd play him, he'd always run the ball with LT and, couldn't stop him. But when he decided to do path, he always threw it to this guy wearing number 83 and Vincent Jackson. So to me, Vincent Jackson always tore me a new one in Madden. <laughs> so I always thought he was a good player, and he was a good player. He was he's very he was overlooked because he didn't play for great teams and never got to play in the big game. But to hear that news, it was it was just like it had to be CTE. It's the only explanation for someone that's young. And he'd been living in that hotel since January eleventh, and this is a guy that made millions playing football for, I believe it was 12 years, seven with the Chargers, five with the Bucks. Uh, so that that really hit home. Uh, and I, I, I did a documentary, I've never told you this, documentary on CTE when I was in high school. Uh, so I, I know all about this. And humans were not made to play the game of football. I love this game. You see how you and I both get passionate. Humans were not created to play this game. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can say up and down, Oh, helmets are supposed to be getting better, protect you. Joe, helmets were not created to protect our heads. They're protected for facial injuries. People get that confused. The helmets weren't created for the, our brains to not move when our heads snap because we have this large piece of, I don't even know what kind of material they're made of, <laughs> on our heads, and we're getting thrown to the ground, our head's snapping faster, and then our brain is moving. Our brain is in like an empty hole, okay, a fluid, but it doesn't fill up the entire skull. So there's a lot of empty space between our skull and our brain. So when you do hit, the brain's moving and hitting harder against that skull. So now you, our you, brain- You saying that makes me cringe, man. <laughs> and this, I play football. So yeah, I'm, if you ever want to get good information about this uh, disease, just watch Concussion with Will Smith. He re they really- talk about it and it really hits home for football players and football fans like you don't yeah. understand what the game can do and why these players are so they're better off just not playing the game i hate to say it no human was made to play this game like i said before but i just want to i just want to say some things like here's mike webster he played 17 years in the league 245 games he was living in his truck he would have to tase himself to sleep He'd paw his teeth and then super glue him back in. That's not normal for a human to be doing this. Junior Seau, he killed himself after he played 20 years in the league. Dave Durson, fam famous Chicago Bear safety, shot himself in the chest because he wanted to save his brain for research. And I got two more that are kind of controversial. One of them is confirmed. The other one hasn't been confirmed yet because the only way you can detect CTE is if someone dies. First one was Aaron Hernandez. They said his, he looked like he was a 60 or 70-year-old uh, Alzheimer's patient. So memory loss. Yeah, it was bad. Like, there's wow. pictures of it. And the other one is um, because I just watched uh, a show about him. Um, not confirmed that he has it because he's, he's still alive. And that's O.J. Simpson. That'd be the other one I'd put money on because he ran the ball 2,404 times in his NFL career in 135 games with the Bills and the 49ers. So, and you see, player, it, it, I mean, these players aren't dead yet either, 
but uh, it impacts decisions. Like they take it serious. Two names that yes. immediately come to mind are uh, uh, Keekley from uh, the yes. Panthers, Panthers and Andrew yes. Luck. Like yes. those are two not those are two guys who are having successful careers and don't really have many reasons to leave the league. Uh, or you'd be like two names that you'd be like, what? Why would they leave? And I would not doubt if you sat down and had an honest conversation with them, they would say that's probably one of the big reasons they left the league is because they see sad things like this happen and they don't want to do that to their family members. And so, and the worst part is that the NFL doesn't do enough to help these players. Once they do start to go through this disease, you know, you don't see them giving them the family money or helping the family in any sort of way. And, it it sucks because well, the other sad part the other sad thing i view about it too is obviously we love watching this game but then you have people out there who like are so against the rules that have been in, put in place to protect head-to-head yes. hits and stuff like yeah. that and people are so mad about those rules it's like okay do you want this game to be completely taken away from us and to hear news like vincent jackson like i'd rather have vincent jackson be alive and have somebody be flagged 15 yards for a helmet to helmet. So it disincentivizes them from doing it next time. Then have Vincent Jackson be dead and have, be able to have players do head to head contact to each other. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when people complain about rules like that. It's in, it's in place so they can continue to play the game and we can continue to watch it. <laughs> right. Just watch it and enjoy it. And it, I don't want football to be taken away from us, but, you know, I, I could see definitely a decline in football, peewee signups, uh, people playing high school and college ball and in the NFL because of, of this disease and the fact oh, that yeah. it, it could hurt them in the long run. Like, you'd be taken away from their kids before they even got to grow up and graduate, not, not have dad there. And that's, it's, 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 it's very unfortunate because I don't yeah. want the game to be viewed that way, but they have to do more. Yeah, I know I'm asking a lot for them to keep doing more, but the helmets are not helping. The helmets are not designed to be that way. I think we're better off not even playing with helmets. Just like, just go back to the old leatherheads for all I care. Just protect the face. That's all yeah. they were designed to do. They weren't designed for. And I think the worst part is, is that these guys get their helmets on and they believe they're going to protect my head. They're going to protect me from concussion. That's not. That's not the case at all. Like, there's no way that a helmet that big on your head is going to protect you from suffering a concussion yeah it's yeah. it's insane and uh but even know, I, and even like the helmet if we're talking about helmets and rules and everything one of the things that i don't know it just comes to my mind right away is you're not even talking helmet to helmet hits you're just talking you could even be talking head to ground hits to yeah. where these guys like the first thing that comes to mind is oh god I, I don't know if what um whoever the Baltimore Raven, I think it was the Bills, when they were playing the Bills and Lamar Jackson fell back and banged his head on the yes. ground. Yes. That was yes. a perfectly clean tackle, but it even led to him. Like, it, you look at the Mahomes hit. That wasn't a dirty hit at all by the Cleveland Browns oh. player. He just moved his head weird enough to where he didn't know where the heck he was when he stood up. Like, that's scary, dude. That's scary. <laughs> that, and, not, and, and, there wasn't even like a – that's a type of move where if you were to show me – no hit or anything, and you just show me the way Mahomes got up, I'm like, oh, there had to be a bang, head-to-head smack. And then it's scary, even scary to be like, wow, that didn't even look like anything happened if he's looking like that. That just shows how scary it can be, man. And, it, and you know, we're talking professional. It happens on the first hit. It's once you get that first hit when you're in peewee, head-to-head contact, it's just a, it's just a snowball effect. Um, peewee, high school, college, and then the NFL. I mean, Aaron Hernandez only played three years in the NFL, and his brain was – it was bad. I'll like you said, you humans, are, humans are uh, no. designed to do this. Look look, look at these, these different animals. You have the rams. The rams have a protective layer that protects their, their brains. The hummingbird, who hits their head more than any other animal, their tongue wraps around their brain so it doesn't move around. Humans don't have that. We don't have a protective layer for our brain. Our brain's going to hit our skulls, and that's, that's where the concussion comes from. Uh, what happens is you hit your brain, 
and it releases these cells that I, I'm just, this is how I remember it. The cells break up and then they release something that goes to our brainstem and it chokes it off. It's like putting um, cement down a kitchen, uh, the sink. The water's not going to go down the sink anymore. It's just going to flood. So now yeah. your brain is starting to choke itself and just start to really just to, 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 to decay. And we can, humans can live off without hands and legs and, you know, and feet. Once that brain goes, your body doesn't know what to do. It just goes into a constant neurological pain. Yeah. You described it perfectly. And I'm glad we have conversations like this um, on our podcast because I think it's stuff that needs to be seriously taken. I mean, no, no jokes all set aside, fun all set aside. Um, we love the game, obviously. Huge. You've heard us talk about the Bears on this podcast before. Uh, and you see sauces, hats, and flags. We love the Bears. We love the game. I love watching every getting up every Sunday and watching football. But when it comes to news like Vincent Jackson, it's like, man, it just kind of makes you think about stuff. And I'm glad we talk about it too. So I hope it's, everybody got something out of us talking about that. It's just it's just raising awareness for people to know that this isn't going away just because yeah. the game's becoming safer. And as you said, we're adding more penalties. Helmets supposed to be getting better, more protective. It's 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 not going to be going away anytime soon, and we have to prepare for that. And is 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 playing football at a professional level worth your life after you're done? I bet Vincent Jackson when Vincent Jackson would have said, "I won't play football if I knew I took my life at 38." Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. Like I said, I'm glad we covered this, and I hope people got. Uh, I know we kind of ended on a darker note, but... Um, but, yeah, but, as, as you I'm, said, we have to have this conversation. Yeah, and I'm glad we talked about it, and I'm, I hope people get out of it what we put into it. And uh, I, I had a great, another great time with you um, talking on here about yeah. multiple subjects. Always fun, absolutely always fun. Um, looking forward to this baseball season starting. Looking forward to always. our projection, projections podcast. I know I definitely got some... Uh, projections that'll shake up the boat here um but uh i always have a great time i hope everybody enjoys it um like us on twitter follow us on youtube uh ring that bell send send it to your friends family whoever you think would get a kick out of it like we just showed here obviously we talked bulls socks and cubs but we also talked news like the unfortunate news of vincent jackson we do everything on here so um, I hope you guys all enjoy. I have a great time on here. I hope uh, that the people listening have half as fun as I have on this podcast. So yeah. thank you all uh, very much. And uh, I had a great time and another great episode. Yeah, I have to agree with Joe. Just do what he said. Uh, and we'll see you next time on Sauce and Hench. <laughs>